time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Everybody feeling good today? Right? Friday, desperation, last day. How many of you guys, anybody uh, been sleeping in tents the last couple nights? Yeah, enjoying the nice rain of Colorado. All right, well, we've been going for two days, or thir- you know, Wednesday night and all day f- Thursday, now it's Friday. So here's what I want. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up real quick. I know you're just in, stay where you're at, but just stand up. I want you to stretch. Reach as high as you can up. Get a good stretch. Yeah, lean to the left. Lean to the left. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lean to the right. Yeah, I feel like we need to get the blood flowing a little bit more. Can we play that quick song real quick? Let's just have a little dance party in here or something. Do you guys like some dance party? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. Now we're driving on the highway. Yesterday was Thursday, and tomorrow is, is Saturday. It's a very educational song, very educational. Good. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Dude, Caleb freaked me out. I turned around, and someone tackled me. Oh, well, good morning. Excited to be here with you guys. We're going to talk about a little thing called courage today. Everybody say courage. courage. Now say courage like you got some. Say courage. courage. Yeah. Good. I, uh, any music fans in here? Anybody like music? Yeah. It's good. It's good. Anybody like to breathe? It's kind of the same question. Less people like to breathe than music. That's good. That's good. I, uh, I recently got the opportunity to go to a concert with my wife, Amy, of, of one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, a little band. It's a local band. I don't know if you've even heard of them. They're called U2. And, uh, and so... Yeah, they're, they're, they're local to somewhere else, but anyway, uh, and so we got to go see them, and uh, it, this, was, this was like one of those moments where it's kind of like your bucket list moment. I wanted, like this was, I had always wanted to go see them in concert, and so I was like, this is going to be awesome, and, and we love it. So we actually went with some of our friends. We drove uh, to Oklahoma to see them in Oklahoma because everything's better there, and, uh, and so that's where we saw them in concert, and, uh, and so we get there, and uh, we're actually there early because you got to get the opening band. The opening band was uh, the Black Eyed Peas. And, uh, and so I saw that as my moment to go, uh, to, to, go to the restroom because I'm not going to lie, the Black Eyed Peas were, were, were singing. And uh, see, U2 is not really a new band. Uh, they, they, they were actually old when I first heard them, and uh, that was a long time ago. And so most of the people in the crowd uh, were like... I was one of the young, 40s and 50s at a concert to Black Eyed Peas. You know, there's these like 50-year-old women dancing. And there was just too much, too much boom, boom, pal. You know, like I was, I was like, I got to get out of here. And so, so I went down and, uh, and then on my way back, uh, there, it, was, it was a line to get back to my seat. And so there was probably 200, 250 people standing in this line. And uh, it wasn't a very big walkway. It was probably been about the same size as this walkway right here. And so you had the line going in and then you had the, the way to come out. And, uh, and so I'm standing in, in, in about 200 people or so waiting to go in. It's, really, it's not moving for some reason. And uh, we're standing there and all of a sudden I see this guy. He's coming up from the back and, uh, and he's walking on the wrong side, just passing everybody. And he's got his hands full of Full, he's got all sorts of food. He's, you know, he's got the pizza and he's got the popcorn and the pie. He's got everything he needs. And, uh, and so his hands, and, and he's walking past everybody and, and it's making everybody kind of mad, you know? And so, uh, and so as he's walking up, uh, it, it, let me tell you about this guy. This is the guy that stole your lunch money, you know, in, in third grade. That's, that's this guy. This is the guy that, that uh, 
when you're in, in, in traffic, you know, this is the guy driving on the shoulder, and you're just like, seriously, where's a cop when you need one? You know, this is the guy on the motorcycle weaving through traffic that you would swerve and hit, but you know it would do some bodily damage to your car. And, uh, and so that's this guy, you know? And so, so he was walking, and he's just passing everybody. It's making everybody mad. And so I'm like, man, I need to do something about this. And so he walks by, or he, he's walking up. And so I just step over. And I decided to set a screen, you know, like if any of you played junior high basketball, then uh, you know what a screen is. And so, uh, so I just stood there and he walks up behind me and uh, this will be me. This is about the right ratio actually. And uh, so he walks up behind me and he's like, excuse me. And it's not like the real excuse me, you know, it's like the get out of my way, excuse me. And I'm standing there and I just, uh, I look over my shoulder and I'm like, you know, you can, uh, you can wait with the rest of us. And then it hit me. What am I doing? <laughs> this guy is bigger than me. This is the guy that stole my lunch money. This is the guy, I mean, it, you know, his, he might drop kick me. And I really, I, I drove a long way and I paid a lot of money to come to this concert. I really don't want to get kicked out during the Black Eyed Peas. I really don't want the newspaper tomorrow to read local youth pastor kicked out of concert for getting in a fight, you know? I was like, that's not good. But I stand there and, and he's like, uh, he's just like, are you not gonna move? And I was just, no, I'm, I'm okay right here. And because we know the guy that stole your lunch money when you're in third grade, he's not the brightest. And, uh, and so he was just standing behind me. And finally he realized, finally it hit him that he could actually go around me. Like if he just went to where I was, it's like a V cut. You know, he goes to where I was and then back and he can keep walking. And so it took him a while. He finally figured it out. And I just let him do that. I was like, okay, I'm getting out of this alive. And so that's, I, I chalked that up as a win. And, uh, and so he leaves and, and all of a sudden the, the lady standing behind me uh, was like, hey kid, you know that, uh, she called me kid. Cause again, you two is older man. Anyway, and uh, she's like, hey kid, that. That, that really took courage. And I was like, did my courageous deed of the day. That's right. I stood in front of a dude. That was bold. And I felt good in the moment, but then I started thinking about it. And I was like, really? Like, is that, I mean, it, it, are we in a world today that is so lacking in courage that that is really courage? I didn't really do anything. Like, I, st- I took a sidestep, and then I let him go around me, you know, and, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. And, uh, and, and so, but the, the truth is, is that we are living in a world where, where courage is lacking. And I believe that we need to be men and women full of courage. Did you know that the, the most often repeated command in the entire Bible is not do not murder, though that's a good one. I recommend you follow that one. It's not. The most, recomm- the most often repeated command is not do not lie. The most often repeated command in the Bible is do not fear. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. The, most, the, the thing that the Bible says the most is don't be men and women of fear. Jesus actually has a moment where he commands his disciples to take courage. I love this. I'm going to read this. This is, uh, this is Jesus. He, this is when he's walking on water, which is pretty sweet. And, uh, and so Matthew 14, verse 26. So Jesus is walking on the water. It says, when his di- disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Let me tell you why I love this, this passage right here. It's because I really like the disciples. I really like the disciples because they were just, they're some funny guys. I don't mean funny like humorous, maybe some of them are humorous. But, but when you read the story of the disciples, you're like, dude, these are some regular dudes that just so happen to hang out with Jesus. They see Jesus walking on the water and it says that they were terrified and started screaming. I want you to picture grown men in a boat thinking they're seeing a ghost. Ah! 
screaming like they're at a Justin Bieber concert and their 14-year-old girl. They're freaking out. And they're like, oh no, it's a ghost. Brad's Casper coming to get me. They're going crazy. And Jesus is walking on the water. They're not like, oh, I recognize him. I've spent some time with him. Jesus walking on the water. No surprise. He feeds 5,000 people at one time. He heals people. There's no, they're like, oh my God, what is that? It's a ghost. And Jesus is like, fellas, take courage. You know, man up. What are you doing? Stop screaming. It's, a, it's me. Remember? He says, take courage. I believe that we're supposed to be men and women of courage. The Bible time and time again tells us to have courage, to do not fear. There is, I I see that there is an epidemic of cowardice in our culture. There was a a recent study uh, at at a university where they got a couple hundred people and and they take them in a room uh, in groups of 10. And what they do is they would draw three lines and then they'd tell them, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you, when, when, the, when the instructor points at the longest line, you need to raise your hand. It was a very complicated test. And so they, they, they went and, uh, and, and, but what was actually happening was that nine of them had been briefed before. And they were told, okay, I want you to raise your hand when we point at the second longest, because we're going to see what the one person who doesn't know what's going on, what they do in that moment. And so, so, there's not, so there's 10 people in a room, nine of them are in on it, actually 10, including the instructor. And then there's one person who's just the moron in the corner, not knowing what's going on. And, uh, and so they, they start pointing at the different lines. And what happened time and time again is when they would point at the longest line, the one person would raise their hand and then look around and it start to come down. And then, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Or they'd point at the second longest line and everybody would raise their hand and, and, and the person would be like. <laughs> this is a test they had. It was uh, elementary through high school students that were a part of this. 75% of the time, the person raised their hand on the wrong line. Because it was more important to them to be part of the whole, to be part of the group. It was more important to be with everybody else than to be right. I mean, that's not a complicated thing. Which line is longer? I I, I imagine that they knew they were being dumb in the moment. But it was more important. What what is everybody else doing? And I, I, I think that's actually a pretty interesting picture of what I see a lot of us living like most of the time. We're so concerned about what everybody else around us is doing that that ends up impacting how we live. And we're looking to everybody else. What is he doing? What is he doing? What is she doing? What's going on here? And that's what shapes what we choose to do rather than what we know to be right. Rather than what we know in our spirit is the thing to do. And it's because we're lacking in courage. Last night, we had a great moment. As so many of you came forward and, and, and God was speaking to you and he was speaking cause into you. He was speaking mission into you. And, and, and you feel like there was a moment where you connected and you were inspired and, and God was calling you to things. But that will only be Thursday night if you don't carry it out with courage. Because when you get home, it's all of a sudden, it's not going to be, you know, the desperation band singing and, and Matthew Barnett here preaching and, and having a good time. It's going to take day to day. God, what are you doing today? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be times where it's, there's going to be times where it's alive, but there's going to be times where it's like, I don't know. Like, this is hard. Did God really speak? I don't know. It's going to take stepping out and courage to live that out. The, the idea of, of this, of, of no compromise to live set apart, it's not, it's not trendy. It's not what everybody else is doing. And so it's going to take courage. So I want to look today at, at a Bible story that, that I think shows a man of courage. I, love, I, I really love Bible stories. I, I love reading them um, as, as if they were real people. Because guess what? They, they were real people. 
And you can read the Bible as this, and, and, and look at it. And, and when you read it, put yourself in there and be like, what would happen if, if I was there in this moment? And I think that the Bible comes alive to us when we read it in that way. And, and, and Bible stories can be so great. I think we need biblical heroes. We live in a, in a culture, in a society that, that really is fascinated with celebrity, right? Like we love celebrity. You, you can be famous uh, if you claim to have tiger's blood and, and be from Mars or, you know, you can, you can be famous uh, just for not hitting puberty yet, right? Bieber fever there, you know, that you're, that's what you're famous for. You can be famous, you know, from be, just for being from New Jersey and being able to fist pump, whatever. Like, there's all sorts of reasons that people are famous, but, we, but it's skewed. There's, there's not really good reason. And, and none of those people really have the characteristics that I would say require us or that, 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 that cause us to respond and be like, that's someone I want to be like. I, that's, that's someone that would be my hero. But I think that it's a picture that we are longing for that. We're longing to look to other people that have gone before us or look to other people to see, okay, show me, how, how should I live? What should I do? We want heroes, and I think that there are so many biblical heroes that if we would read our Bible and let it come alive, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, it will speak to how you live every day, day in and day out. As you read the Bible, I, I'm, I'm convinced that you cannot find a Bible story without finding courage. Whether you're reading, you know, about David and Goliath, that, that took courage. Maybe Noah building an ark. You know, Moses leading the people. Nehemiah, Jonathan, Jonathan going, charging in the army with just his one friend. Even you look at the disciples as they, as they took the gospel and took the good news. It took courage. I, 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 my favorite Bible story of courage is the story of Jesus. And the story, if you read Jesus' life and what it took for God to become man, to live perfectly, to, to sacrifice, to give his life for us, there is courage in him. He lived every day with courage. I believe that when we read the Bible, we see courage throughout. And so today, I want to read, uh, I want to go through uh, uh, the life of Daniel. Anybody ever heard of Daniel? Awesome. So the rest of you, we're going to introduce you to this guy. His name is Daniel. I'm pretty sure I was named after him. I don't know, but uh, I would guess so. And uh, so we're going to look in Daniel 1. If you have your Bible, we're going to go through a lot, of, a lot of Bible stories. Is that okay? Are you guys okay with some Bible story? I like Bible stories. So here's Daniel. He's an Israelite, and he's living in Jerusalem. And uh, in Daniel 1, the, the Babylonians come, and they siege his town. They, they come, and they take over Jerusalem. And uh, they take it by force. And so what they do is they, they, they ransack the city. And then they actually, they steal stuff from the temple of God and, and from the holy temple. They steal stuff from there and they take it to, to their temple, to their gods. And they just kind of put it as treasure. And, they, they, and the king looks down or tells his guys and he's like, hey, I want you to bring me some of the, some of the Israelites. And we're going to train them to work in my palace. We're going to train them to work for me. And so our, our first introduction of, of Daniel, he's one of these guys that gets kidnapped from Jerusalem and, uh, and he's taken to Babylon. And uh, in, in Daniel 1 verse 4, is speaking of the kind of men that, that were taken. It says, these were young men without any physical defect. They were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. As I read this, I, I was like, oh... Maybe I understand why my parents named me Daniel, you know, without any physical defect, very well-informed, educated young men. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, when we first learn about David in the Bible, it actually says that God chose him despite the way he looked. I'm not, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So these were these guys, and they, they took these guys, and they, uh, and they, 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 they were going to train them to work in the king's palace. And so, so they wanted to train them in language. They wanted to train them in the customs of their day. They wanted to give them, uh, the king actually wanted to feed them the best food that he had so that they would get used to that, and, and, and they would be really acclimated to the Babylonian culture. And, uh, and so it's interesting when we look at Daniel, 
Because here Daniel is, and, and, and he's being served, and really what he has major issue with is, is the food that he's being served. Because the food he's being served, it's choice meats, which means that it's against his, his Jewish custom, against the Jewish law. He couldn't eat it. It was unkosher. It had probably been sacrificed to idols. And so Daniel, being a man of integrity, speaks up. And so in verse 8, says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chef, sorry, the chief officials, not the chef. He wasn't like, hey, could you cook me some chicken? (laughs) He asked the chief chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid my lord, the king, who was assigned your food and drink. I'm afraid of my lord and king, who was assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any other young men your age? And the king would have my head because of you. So then Daniel went to the other guard, whom the chief official had appointed over. And, uh, and Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he says this, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So what was happening was Daniel was, was going to these guys that he had been captured by. And he was like, listen, I am, have resolved in my heart that I want to obey the law of my God. And, uh, and, and actually eating this I, would, would be against him. And, and it would be actually kind of like idol worship. And so I don't want to do that. And so uh, is there any way that I could just eat vegetables? And uh, I don't know about you, but... I don't really think of vegetables as food. I think of vegetables as what food eats, you know? Like, that's, that's what other food eats. But, uh, but Daniel must have really liked some broccoli, you know? And so he was like, give me some celery, and, uh, and let's just see what happens. And so, so it says that he was shown favor, and they were tested for this time. And at the end of this 10 days, Verse 20 says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole of his kingdom. I I think this is an interesting start to the story of how Daniel exercises and shows courage from the very beginning. Because the easy thing to do would have been for him to, to go and say, I've been ripped out of my homeland. I've been brought to a strange place. Uh, you know, they probably weren't very nice to them. I don't know, but they, they changed his name. They were, they were trying to get him to, to leave Jerusalem behind and really become a Babylonian. And, 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 he, and so he was there. And, uh, and probably the easy thing for him to do would be like, okay, I have to pick my battles. And you know, this whole, this whole food thing, is prob- that's not the biggest of battles. And you know, that steak smells really good. I'm just saying and, uh, and so it would have been easy for Daniel to, to say, you know what, maybe I'll just let this one slide. Maybe I'll not raise a ruckus here. But he, but he doesn't. He goes to, to the guy in charge and he's like, hey, can I not eat this food? And the guy's like, no, the king will cut my head off. And so Daniel's like, well, he probably cut my head off too. Well, I'll go to somebody else and ask him. And, uh, and he says, listen, just test us. Let's just see what's going on. And what we see here early in Daniel's story is the courage to have integrity. He had courage to, to do what was right in that moment. Because the truth is, is that I believe it's the little compromises that oftentimes takes us out, take us out. When the big test comes, when life is hard or when the bad things happen, when it's blaring right in our face, a lot of times in that moment, it's easy to do the right thing or easier, but it's just the little things throughout the day that come and bug you, that come and, that, 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 that come and, and tempt you. It's, it's the little compromises that will take us out. We live, I live in Colorado. Uh, I don't know if you know that. That's where you are right now. And, uh, and so we have mountains. Uh, for those of you from Kansas and Oklahoma, mountains are actually, uh, they, they stick up from the ground. They are ground, but they're high. And so, uh, so, and then on these mountains, we have really old trees. I really liked climbing trees when I was a kid. Anybody liked climbing trees? Good. I, but, so we have these really old trees. And, uh, 
And there's people that is their job to study trees. I don't know why, that's weird. But I guess they do it. And so, uh, so, so you can read about some these trees. And, and uh, there's actually this tree uh, that, that fell and they studied it. And it was, it was 400 years old. You know how you can count to see how old a tree is? I guess this tree was 400 years old. And uh, so that's a lot of counting. It's like one, two, three, you know, the little rings. And uh, so 400-year-old tree. And, uh, and so if you think about it, that tree was in Colorado before Colorado was Colorado, right? I mean, that tree was in Colorado before America was here. I mean, 400 years ago, that's a long time. That's a pretty strong tree. That's a, that's, a, those are, that's a big tree, right? And, uh, and so this tree had survived lots of cold winters, lots of snow. We get snow here. Snow is white stuff that falls from the sky. Those of you from Florida. And, uh, and so we get snow. And, and so it had, withstand, it had withstood snow and ice, maybe avalanches. I don't know how these people that study these things can find this out, but, but there was, it had been struck by lightning 14 times. 14 times struck by lightning, and it didn't, it it kept growing. You know the thing that took this tree out, 400 years old, big, huge honking tree, falling over, because it got infested with little beetles. Little beetles that you could squish with your fingers had infested the tree and eaten to its core, and it fell dead because of it. I think that many of us, when the lightning strikes or the avalanches come, we know how to stand strong. But sometimes it's the tolerance of the little beetles, just the little things that we say yes to, that we think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that, yeah, God doesn't really care. It's those little things that over time will cause our spirits to die. Daniel could have said, you know, eating this food, not that big of a deal. It's not that big of an issue. I bet you God understands that I've been captured. I'm in a foreign land. This is crazy here. They don't put ice in my drinks over here. You know, he won't care if I I eat this food. But Daniel said, no, I'm gonna do what I know is right. And I'm actually going to honor God by the small decisions that I make in this moment. I believe that we need to be the kind of people that every day when it's those small compromises that come against us, that we say, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna give in because I want to honor the Lord with, what I, with my life and everything. And that will take courage because you're gonna look weird, because you're gonna look different than everybody else. That's not what everybody else is doing. Daniel had to stand up. If you notice, it was only Daniel and his three buds that were, doing, that were doing this. Everybody else was all in with the eating of the steak, you know? Everybody else was saying, Daniel, relax, chill out, bro. Let's eat. Daniel's like, I'm not going to compromise. Daniel 5. So, uh, so this is a while later. and It says, King Belshazzar, this is the son of the former king, gave a great banquet for thousands of his nobles and drank wine with them. And while they were drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and kings and his nobles, his wives and concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines drank from them. And they drank wine and they praised their gods and the gold of silver, bronze, wine, wood, stone. So here's this guy, he's a new king, and he's throwing a party. And he's like, man, I got a lot of people at this party. We've ran out of red cups. And so what we need is we need for, uh, oh, remember that one time we went to Jerusalem and we stole all the stuff from the temple of their God and we brought it here? Go get that stuff and let's bring it here and let's have a party. And, let's, and so that stuff works too. And so they, so they go and they get it and, and they're having their party with the stuff that had been, this, the, the, all of the stuff that they had stolen had been consecrated to God. It had been given to the Lord and put in his temple. And so uh, apparently he didn't really, he wasn't down with that idea. And so in verse five, it says, suddenly the finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. And the king watched the hand as it wrote and his face turned pale And he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. So they're having a party. They're hanging out. 
And, uh, and then they're like, oh, dude, go get that stuff from the other, you know, from the temple of God that we stole and let's keep going. And all of a sudden the Lord looked down. He's like, I'm not down with this, you know, bro, that's, that stuff was given to me. And he's like, hey, hey, you know, Belshazzar, I don't, I'm not down. Uh, um, you know, I'm going to interrupt this moment here. And, uh, and so he sticks his hand down and it freaks him out. The king is like, I mean, I want you to, pick, I, I'm, I understand him being freaked out. Imagine if a giant hand just appeared here and started writing mission across that back wall. I think we'd all be like, there's a massive human hand. So he was terrified. And God was like, dude, I'm not digging you using my silverware over here, you know? And so I'm going to come down and I'm going to start writing on the wall. And the king starts freaking out and his knees are knocking together. You know, he's, he's like one of those people... He's like the disciple in the boat or the girl at the beaver, you know, whatever. You know, and so he's scared, he's screaming. He's like, what is going on? So he's like, okay, here's what we need to do. I want you to get everybody in the land, anyone who's a soothsayer, anyone who thinks that they know anything and you bring them here and someone, please tell me what that says. I need to know. And they bring in everybody and, uh, and no one knows. No one can read it. So finally someone comes and they're like, hey, I think there's this guy, his name is Daniel. And uh, he, he can interpret dreams and, and, and it seems that his God reveals to him when he's speaking. And so maybe we ask him. And so uh, verse 13, chapter 5, 13. So Daniel was, was brought before the king and the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father and the king brought from Judah? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I've heard that you're able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple. You will have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in all of my kingdom. So he brings Daniel in and he's like, hey man, I need to know what that says. This is, what happened was this huge transformer hand came in and started writing on the wall and, and it freaked me out. And I don't know what it says. I need to know what it says. And so if you can tell me what it says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some stuff. I'm going to give you uh, a gold chain. You can throw that on. It spins. And uh, so you can wear that. I'm going to put purple on you. Purple is the color of royalty. And so he's like, I'm going to dress you in purple. And and, and you know what? I'm going to make you the third highest ruler in all of my kingdom. So Daniel listens to him and he's like, all right, purple shirt, spinner necklace, and third highest ruler. That's a pretty good offer because I already know I can read it. You know, I mean, I just read it. I didn't tell him what it said, you know, but. So Daniel looks at him and I love Daniel's response. Then Daniel answered the king, you can keep your gifts for yourself. Give your rewards to someone else. When a king offers you those kind of things, normally you should take them. That's what the worldly wisdom would say. And not just because the king is offering them, but because Daniel's being offered power and authority. He's being offered wealth. He's being offered a lot of stuff. And, 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 and he looks at the king and he's like, you know what? I don't need it. That's not what I'm here for. But I will tell you what it says. So he goes on to tell him. And, uh, and it says, well, what it says is that God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Um, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting and actually there's going to be two other kingdoms that come in, overtake you, and they're going to split your kingdom. Yeah? Okay. So Daniel defies worldly wisdom. There's going to be people that that come to you with, with what this world offers as wisdom. But we need to have the courage to be men and women of God who take that and say, okay, let me pray about it. Let me ask my king. Even as Pastor Brady was sharing yesterday morning when he was offered a job that seemed so right, it seemed like it was the right thing to do and the right place to go at the right time. But he took the time to say, I'm gonna gonna pray about it. I'm gonna see what God is telling me to do. It's gonna take courage to go against what the world tells you to do. But then Daniel reads it to the king and he's like, "Uh, here's what it says. You've been lame uh, God doesn't like you and your kingdom's going to not be yours anymore and you're going to die. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, don't kill the messenger? That phrase exists because 
they actually did that. Like, if you brought bad news and they didn't like it, they'd be like, I don't like this news. Cut his head off. You know? And, and so, but Daniel is looking at the king. He's being offered wealth. He's being offered authority. And he looks at it and he reads it and he's like, he's not going to like this. And he could have probably, probably told him something different. But he's like, no, I'm going to tell him what it says. And, uh, and I don't care if it brings me success or if ultimately he, it brings me death. Daniel wasn't looking to somehow work his way up and, and by appeasing the king and by doing what was right and, and taking the worldly wisdom. But he wasn't afraid of the possible negative outcome either because he was gonna be obedient and listen to the Lord. And he had courage to stand in front of the king and say, here's what it says, your time's over. And the king looks at him and uh, in verse 29 says, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple Given a gold chain, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed third highest ruler in the kingdom. He didn't go looking for those things. He wasn't striving for those things. He was willing to do what he knew to be right. And he was blessed in spite of that. But he didn't do it because of the blessing. But he received that blessing. And it's gonna take courage to live that kind of life. Oh, and then the king died. So he got it just in time. Let's go to the last story of Daniel. Daniel 6. This one is, uh, this is the one we all know. Daniel, Daniel had become uh, one of the favorites of the newest king. And Daniel's no longer a young man. Daniel's now an old man. And he had lived his entire life with integrity and courage, doing what was right. In verse 4. Uh, let's go to verse three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and, and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men, men said, we will never find any basis to charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they, just, they, they conjure up this scheme and they're like, here's what we're gonna need to do. Let's go before the king and let's appeal to his vanity and uh, let's tell him to, he needs to put in a law that for the next 30 days, no one is allowed to pray to any God or man other than him. Oh, he'll like that. So they go before the king and they say, we have this great plan. And so for the next 30 days, I, we, you should put in a law that can't be revoked. It can't be turned back. That no one can pray to anyone else but you. And the king was like, okay, do it. Yeah, let's do it. And he apparently didn't take too much convincing. And so then, so they, they put in this law. And I, I love when in, in Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where his windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel didn't have an excuse because he had been praying and it says that when he heard about the new law, he went home, got down on his knees and prayed just like before. The truth is, is that what we do in the ordinary days will shape what we do in the extraordinary days. And so if you're a man or a woman of prayer in normal days, then it'll be easier to respond that way in the crazy times, in the hard times when people come against you. So Daniel went and he prayed. So they caught him. They walked in, they're like, yeah, he's praying. Take him to jail, throw him in the lion's pit. So the king, remember the king likes Daniel. So they bring him before him. They're like, we caught him praying. He did, he heard what you said and then he went and did it. Kill him now, you can't revoke it, remember? The king was like, suckers, you got me. Yeah, throw him in. And the king, it says that the king, it grieved the king. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And then the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. 
Daniel gets thrown into a pit of lions. I want you to think about that for a second. He gets thrown. I mean, okay, I saw this YouTube video recently of this lion trying to, at the zoo. Anybody see this? There was this lion and he was at the zoo and there was like this two-year-old kid in front of the glass. And uh, this is like thick glass. And the two-year-old kid's standing there and the lion opens its mouth and is like, he's trying to bite this kid's head off. But he can't because, don't worry, there's glass. But he's like, you know, he's, he's trying to get this kid's head. And the dad is just videoing. I'm like, seriously, good parenting there. I don't care if there's three inches of glass. You need to grab that kid and run. But this was one lion, you know, and, and I was watching a video on a computer and I was like, that's scary. Daniel is falling down. Lions, you know. And he gets down in the lion's den. I wonder if they called it that. Like we call it that, a lion. What did they call it? A pit? I don't know. Anyway, I've just heard it called a den the whole time. Maybe it wasn't even, I don't Anyway, we'll move on. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called Daniel in anguish, and, or he called to Daniel in anguish voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually in the normal days, in the ordinary days, and the extraordinary days, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel, are you alive? Are you there? I don't know what Daniel was doing. He's sitting down there. He's been hanging out with these lions. You know, he's like, oh, you know, and the king's like, Daniel, are you alive? And he's like, shh. Oh, king, live forever. You know, and the king's like, Daniel, Daniel. Oh, you know, he finally hears his voice. He's like, yes, king, I'm alive. Don't, don't you worry about me. I don't know if that happened. He may not have paused for dramatic effect, but that's what I would have done. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They, get, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his eyes, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel from the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. When I'm talking about courage today, when we look at the life of Daniel, whether it's the small things the little beetles that come to attack us, whether it's promotion that, that, that is the worldly wisdom that we have to turn back and say, you know, let me take time to go pray about this. Or whether it's this moment where death is staring you in the face, it takes courage to follow Jesus. And it said that Daniel was not hurt because he had trusted in his God. Courage empowers us to live in faith. Courage lets us live in integrity. When we have uh, courage in us, we can be the men and women that walk confidently through the halls of your school, that know how great God is. And that's the key. Why do we, why do we need to have courage? I don't, I, the truth is, I, I don't know your story. I don't know where you come from. Some of you may be headed home and uh, maybe your friends have never known that you are a follower of Jesus. And you don't know what it's gonna look like if you go back and tell them. Maybe some of you have recently moved and you're going to a new school. Maybe some of you have been hurt because you feel like if you, when you've opened up to people in the past, they've, they've only hurt you. And so you're scared to open up again. Maybe some of us are afraid. You know, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think a lot of us like to quote that verse, but is it true? Or are we kind of timid and kind of ashamed to tell people the good news of Jesus? The truth is that here, it's easy to worship. Even as I told that story earlier, the people raising their hands, here, when you raise your hands in worship, here, when you get on your knees, when you take notes, when you do whatever, you're part of the in crowd. That's what we're all doing. It's easy to do that here, but what's it gonna be like when you get home, when you're not with your youth group, when you're not hanging out with your youth pastor all day, every day, and through the night, and you're like, leave me alone, please. <laughs> what's that gonna be like? And that's when it's gonna take courage. But I wanna encourage you 
that it's not up to you. It's not based on your strength, not based on how good you are, how much you can grit your teeth and say, man, I'm gonna be a man of courage. I'm gonna be a woman of courage. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, we're on the winning side. We can walk with courage and confidence because of who we have aligned ourselves with. Romans 8, 11. I want you to hear this. This is a crazy verse. I really encourage you to memorize this verse. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Do you know that if you are a follower of Jesus, that he has sent his spirit and the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that, 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 that heals the sick, the same spirit that, that hovered over creation, the same spirit that came in Acts 2 and, and, and they were prophesying and they, they saw healings and, and the same spirit that, that has brought revival, the same spirit lives in you. It's not about your strength. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about in every moment being like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be courageous here. It's okay, Holy Spirit, I know who you are and you're in me. I can, my friend is sick. I can have the boldness to pray for them. Psalm 103 says that he heals all our diseases. I can pray and see them healed. I believe it. You've said it. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna pray in courage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk the halls of my school with my held, head held high, not because I'm great, not because I'm articulate, but because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And the Bible says that, I don't, that, that when I need something to say, the Holy Spirit will speak through me. That spirit lives in you. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Have I, I, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, when we leave this place, we won't be in a crowd of people like this. But you know who we will be with? the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of everything, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's with you. He will not leave you. He will not desert you. That spirit, the spirit of God lives in us and will lead us. It's pretty awesome. And all of a sudden, when we walk into the new school or when we go and we hang out with our friends that didn't know that we called ourselves a Christ follower. All of a sudden, it's not tapping into, okay, I remember what that crazy guy said, I have to be bold in this moment. It's okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do here? And how can I be a man or a woman that lives courageously? The first night we prayed in just a moment of repentance and many of you lifted your hands repenting of having fear. Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? We have a God that loves us, who is for you. He likes you. Who dare be against you? We have no reason to walk in fear, to be timid, to be ashamed, but we can walk in courage and boldness and truth. I wanna pray for us this morning that we would live this out every day when we go home. So I wanna invite the guys to come back up, band. And if you, I, I wanna pray for those of you today that just would say, I know that I need courage. I need the Joshua 1.9, God saying, be strong, be bold, be courageous. I need that. I need to live not with timidity, but I need to walk in the integrity that Daniel had. I need to walk in the courage that Daniel had, the faith like a man like Daniel. If that's you, go, go, I wanna invite you just to come up front. Go ahead and every, let's have everybody stand. We're gonna go into a time of worship here together. 
But I want to invite those of you who say, I need an infusion of God-given courage so that I can boldly proclaim the gospel, so that I don't have to live in fear of what other people think. The fear of man doesn't control me. Okay, go ahead and just place your hands out like this. I want to pray for you. Jesus, we worship you. God, I pray for young men and young women of boldness and courage to come forth. God, that you would speak your identity over them, that you would speak who you are and we would know that if you are for us, who can be against us? God, I pray for Daniels to be in this room. Those that would live with integrity, those that would live with faith, those that wouldn't give in to the worldly wisdom but would seek your kingdom first. And we just declare today that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. I just want to encourage, just right where you're at, I want you to pray that over yourself, out loud. I want you to say, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to be afraid of. I have no reason to be timid or ashamed. I am a son, I am a daughter of the King of Kings. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.